Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Christ the Lord is risen today, amen? He is not dead, he is alive. Would you please stand as you worship our risen Savior here this morning. If you're joining us online. Thank you for tuning on. We pray that you are blessed by the service here today. Let's worship and sing out here together. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, Hallelujah. Raise your choice and triumphs high.
We are so glad you're here with us today. Would you take a moment and just say hello to those around you today? We are here to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. He rose from the dead. This is a celebration because Jesus is alive. See the tomb where he lay. See the stone roll away. He is risen, he's alive. See his hands, see his feet, touch his scars and believe. He is risen, he is risen, he's alive. Shackles breaking free, hear the song of the redeemed. He is moving, he is moving, he's alive. So take this freedom, take this love. Can you feel it rising up? He is here, he is here, he's alive.
is risen, he is risen, he's alive. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy I could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me.
Amen. You may be seated. Well, my name is Luke, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, on behalf of our staff and our church, happy Easter, everybody. Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Listen, the tomb is empty, people, and that's something to celebrate. The tomb is empty, and our King is alive. He is our living hope, just like the band. Man, aren't they doing a fantastic job? We thank our band for leading us in worship. Hey, I want to just, I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I also want to extend a, a welcome to all of our guests. It's an honor that you uh, join us this morning here at Crossroads. I also want to welcome our online church family. Hey, guys, can we make a holy sound for our, uh, our online family joining us online? I was actually just in, uh, behind uh, the stage messaging somebody trying to get them online. Listen, we, wanna, we want people to know this message of hope. Boy, do we need hope. We need the truth. 
and that is Jesus Christ. So I want to share with you a few things. Uh, so in your bulletin, there's all kinds of information. There's a bunch of ways to, to get connected. I want to encourage you. There's a, there's a place for everyone. There's something for everyone, from kids to students to, to men to women. There's, you know, you can even look into the summer dates and see we have our movie nights. We have our vacation Bible school, our mega sports camp coming up this summer. Uh, you can see that we have a Next Steps meeting. This meeting is all about people that want to join this church and find out more information about Crossroads. That's coming up, baby dedications. Listen, there's all kinds of things happening. How many got to go to the egg hunt? Listen, that was awesome. That was awesome. Listen, I met somebody last night that came to the egg hunt. That's what it's all about. It's about relationships and all of us trying to move together towards Christ, towards Jesus. And so in front of you is a connect card, those blue cards. Uh, and, and I want to encourage you uh, throughout this service and, you know, use that. If you write down a prayer request, uh, you could write down a question you may have or, or, hey, listen, I have a need in my life and I, I would like to talk to somebody about it. Um, please fill those out and you can leave as much information as you feel comfortable. And then as you leave on your left here in the auditorium, as well as in the foyer, you can put it in the offering box and then we'll follow up with you. And so that is connect card is for you. Um, there's also information in your bulletin of how to get a hold of us, uh, our church information, use our website, uh, reach out to us, but we would love to connect with you in any way that we can. Um, church, I also want to say, listen, as we think about Easter, we think about all that we're celebrating uh, thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord and, and worshiping him uh, by giving. And so you can give online through the mail or using the offering boxes here in the auditorium or the foyer. Uh, but God has been good to us. And uh, what, a, what a way to thank him by, than, than to let go of something, to, to, to thank him by giving. And so, church, God's grown us. And he's growing us in the grace of giving. So thank you for giving and for giving unto the Lord, worshiping him with your finances. Here's a challenge for us. We're starting a brand new series starting next weekend. It's called But God. And you think about like your history, you think about your past, and I want you to think about this short phrase, but God. If God intervenes, what is going to happen? Because when I look back on my life and I think about my past, I think about my history and how God has grown and changed me, I look back and I see the moment of when God changed my life. If it wasn't for God, I'd be on a totally different path. But God intervened. But God demonstrated his own love toward us. Even while we were still sinners, Scripture says that Christ died for us. But God. So that series starts starts next weekend. I want to encourage you, try five. If you're a guest this morning and you're checking things out, we're glad that you're here. Try five weeks. That's going to take us all the way through this series, and I want to challenge you. Try five. Try five weeks. Just check it out. See what happens. Watch what God does in your life. I also want to say that, uh, listen, we, we're just thankful for what God is doing here at Crossroads. It's been like a, a crazy just season of life, but God's doing amazing things. We're seeing people's lives change because of Jesus Christ. And so as we continue on this morning, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me as we continue on this morning? And we're going to just go to the Lord and just ask him to open up our hearts. And as we go about the rest of this morning, as we hear another song, as we sing, as we hear from the word, Think about it. What does it mean for you now that the tomb is empty? That Jesus is alive. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this morning. It's all for your honor, for your glory. We praise you. Thank you for everyone that's gathered here. All gathered online, gathered here in the building. We just want to exalt you. We want to lift you up. We want to proclaim that we have truth, that we have living hope in Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us. I pray that this morning that we would truly understand how much you love us. 
No love can comprehend the love that you showed for us by sending your only son, Jesus, to die on a cross and rise three days later. May we grasp your love this morning. In Jesus' name.
My name is James, and I'm one of the disciples, but not the one you're thinking of. I'm, I'm the other one. James the Lesser. That's what the disciples would call me to distinguish between the two of us. Through the years, that's why I started calling myself. That's how I thought of myself. I was the last disciple picked. I was never the top dog. But none of that matters anymore. Because Jesus was sealed in a tomb. Three days later, he flipped life as we know it on its head. It was evening. We were all in this large room, and he appeared. And, and when I say that he appeared, it, it, I mean, he was not there. And then all of a sudden, there, there he was. And he was telling us to, to calm down. He, he, he was telling us, telling us something about peace. I, I, I don't know. He was saying something about food. And, and I, I, I don't know if you work up an appetite conquering death. I, I, needless to say, we were terrified, excited, and... We were, we were really happy. <laughs> we thought it was over. We thought all of this was done. But instead, he put death in its place. He did it. He did it. And when I look at myself, I see the disappointment. I see the dismissal. I see the lesser. And I realize I'm pretty forgettable. But then I remember, he did it. He conquered death. He did it for me because of the cross, because of Christ. I am redeemed, reborn even. He has set me free from my sin. He has set me free from myself. And I do not mind having less of me if it means I can have so much more of him. He's alive, amen? Man, the greatest story ever told about the greatest person who ever lived on the greatest rescue mission that ever happened. You know, people will tell a lot of stories. You know, when you come to Easter and any holiday, there's a lot of stories that come out, right? There's a story about a bunny that runs around, right? And lays all kind of fun stuff everywhere. But I, let me tell you, the greatest story ever told is not a story that is a fable, but it is history. It is his story. Amen? And so we get to rejoice in that today because it is the history of Jesus. Jesus, you know, so much can happen in a week. I want you to think about this. We have up here today the crown of thorns, uh, the crown 
the, uh, the king's crown today. On, uh, on Good Friday, we had up here a crown of thorns. And that's where it all started was on Good Friday, where it was all so bad. But let me tell you, this, the story starts way back at creation. Whenever God created the heavens and the earth, he places Adam and Eve in a garden. And he says, you can have everything. You can enjoy fellowship with God. There's just one tree that you cannot eat of. And the, Adam and Eve take the plunge and they sin. And they go and they, they, the, the sin has begun and God follows through. God says that he will not let the guilty go unpunished. And so God has to take care of the sin issue. And so he promises all the way from Genesis chapter 3. God makes a promise from the beginning of human history that he would send a son. He would send the Messiah. And so we see it. And he says that one day he would crush their head. He would crush the head of Satan, the serpent. And when Jesus died on the cross, that's what happened. Jesus crushed the head of the serpent on that day. It is finished. It is over. And when Jesus said it is finished, it's a Greek word. It means it's tetelestai. It is finished. It is paid in full. And so Jesus pays the price in full. And I want to pick up today. In John chapter 20, because Jesus, not only did he pay the price, not only did he say it is finished, he dies on the cross, and then two guys come and they say, we need to give him a burial, and they put him in a tomb. And as they come and they put him in the tomb, it's Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Let me explain to you what happened here. These guys were secret followers of Jesus. They didn't want anybody to know for fear of their own safety, for fear of what the crowd may say, for fear of loss of whatever, they said that they were followers of Jesus, but in secret, the scriptures tell us. And then they come and they take the body. They get permission. They take the body down, take the body of Jesus, wrap him in, in linen cloths with, uh, with smelling sauces. I call it the smelling sauces, okay? Uh, it, it, with, the, with the spices of the day that was customary. We'll call that the embalming spices, all right? The embalming fluids, if you will. And so that's how they wrap the body. And they carry the body and they put the body in the tomb. And Jesus is in the tomb. And, uh, and, and so here's what happens. Now we pick up in John chapter 20, verse 1. He's been dead for two days now. It's the third day. Three days he's been dead. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran out. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. And that's John. John's very bashful here. He's telling you, hey, that's me. He's very humble. The, uh, uh, then she came, she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, I want you to catch us, folks, because on Easter Sunday, there was nobody standing there saying, okay, let's count down, 10, 9, 8, you got the fireworks ready, he's coming, he's coming out of there, Right? They were not expecting to not find the body. They go in there and they go and they find, look what she says, they have taken away. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've taken him, where they've laid him. There's no thought of him being alive at this point. They're scared. They're overwhelmed. It's like, what's, what's happened to our master? Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the other tomb. Uh, and they were going to the tomb. So, the, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. John must have been a track star. He outran Peter, and he came to the tomb first. And he, John, stooping in, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, 
yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw. Now this word saw there, he, first John looks, it's kind of a casual look. Now Peter comes in and he looks more, more closely, he looks more carefully. And the linen cloth lying, he sees the linen cloth lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and he believed. Now, now Warren Wearsby draws out, he says that these linen cloths, he says, you know, for me, I read, well, the linen cloths are just laying there. It's no big deal. Why are they looking so hardly? I know the body's not there. He says, you've got to understand the, the way that these, these written would be like they're wrapped in a cocoon. You ever see a cocoon? And it's empty, an empty cocoon. That, he's saying that's what these linen cloths look like. It was kind of like an empty cocoon. And the handkerchief that was over his face is right where they would have left it on the face of Jesus. And so you have it. Here's the body. And here's, this co- here's the body with the cocoon. And here's where the head would have been. So they're walking in and they see that the body is gone, but they see it's still wrapped. In other words, you didn't steal the body. You had to, you had to come through there. In other words... Like it wasn't unwrapped and laying down. Like Jesus didn't wake up and say, okay, let me take this all off. He came right through those cloths. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, because later on we see that Jesus would have new new physical properties, right? He could walk through walls and different things. So he comes right through the cloths. Like God raises him from the dead. He comes right through the cloths and he rises from the dead. And, uh, And so here now the... After they look and look, they believe. And I want to encourage you, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're, you've been looking, and you're looking a little bit more. And I want to encourage you to look and believe. I think for many people, they're, they're seeing, but they're not. They, they say, I need a little bit more. I need to know a little bit more. I want to learn a little bit more. I want to encourage you, keep walking this journey of following Jesus. Keep walking and understanding who he is to the point where you're like John, where you come in and you saw and you believed. For as yet, verse 9, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. At this point, it wasn't yet totally there. They're thinking he's dead. And John comes in and he says, ah, ah, oh, he said this. And he starts to put this picture together. Then the disciples went away. And listen, an empty tomb is pretty powerful. But I'll tell you what, an empty tomb is not enough to prove that he's alive. You had to meet him. You had to see him. And this is what happens here. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she uh, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one uh, uh, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. So here's Mary consumed with grief. She's not in the slightest bit thinking that he is risen. She's thinking he's dead. 
Why did they take his body away? I don't understand why they would come and take the body of my master away. And the thing about the disciples, they spent three years following this guy. And all, uh, uh, of all the three years, all hope is gone. Like Good Friday was not good for the disciples. It was good for us because we're looking back and we see it was our sacrifice paid. But on Good Friday, they thought all hope was gone. It was hopelessness. And so Mary is in a hopeless state. She is depressed. She is in grief. And she's gone back down to the tomb to treat the body. She gets down there, finds the stone has been rolled away. There, there was a seal that was around the stone. That was broken. There were soldiers. The other, other scriptures tell us that there were soldiers that were watching. They had four soldiers that would change every four hours through the night. And so you had guards there. The stone rolled away. God himself moved the stone. And Jesus comes out of the, out of the tomb, and there's an empty grave. But now Jesus is standing there, and he's talking to her. And she says, sir, if you've crucified him, tell me where you have laid him. Now, just think about this. She doesn't recognize him yet. She's not putting this together. There's no way it's Jesus. And Jesus says to, Jesus says to her, Mary. I love this. You know, it's like you know, he, she, she's talking. I don't know where they've taken him. And he just goes, Mary. Now, I, I could just imagine this, you know. Uh, have you ever said that, something like this to your wife? You know, like. Sometimes I'll be like with Rhonda, I'll be like, Rhonda, come on, it's me, baby, right? Listen, that's, that's what, this is what Jesus did. I, I could just see Jesus laughing, Mary, <laughs> don't you recognize me, Mary? Look, I, like how, like Jesus, remember, Jesus would laugh with them, he would cry with them. He experienced all emotions of life with them. And can you just imagine Jesus as he's thinking about this? Okay, I'm going to get Mary. I'm going to get Mary on the first one, too. I'm not going to see the other guys. And by the way, that's how we know that this, this is legit. Because in that day, a, a, woman, a woman's testimony did not hold up in the court of law. So if you were writing something that you wanted that was not true, you would not take a woman's, a woman's testimony first. You know why it's the woman's testimony first? Because it's true. It's how it happened. And plus, Jesus validated women anyhow. Amen? Yeah, there's a lot of amens on that one. Okay, time to close the service. Right. Listen, God validated women. Amen. Amen and amen. Listen. But he says to her, Mary. And she turned to him and says, Rabboni. And John's like, let me tell you, that means teacher. So he translates for us. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And so what does Mary do? Mary Magdalene came and she told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and these things that he had spoken to her. And the rest is his story, it's history. We have these facts, and you can place your life on those facts. Folks, faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is the fact of Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. And he is willing to trade your sin, willing to trade your sorrow for his. He took it all on the cross, and you get his joy. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's why this place is full today. 
Because we're not just celebrating a guy that rose from the dead. We're celebrating God himself came and rose from the dead and the new life that he gives. Amen? Amen. Listen, we go from being hopeless to hopeful, filled with hope. My life is not hopeless, and I want to encourage you. Maybe today you came in here with a lot of hopelessness. You came to the right place today because we're hope dealers. Now turn to your neighbor and said he said hope, not dope. Go ahead. Do it. Okay? We're hope dealers. We deal hope here. You know why? Because Jesus gave it to us, and he said, I want you to go out, and I want you to give it away. We're hope dealers. We have the greatest hope in the world. And listen, Jesus didn't come to just give you life when you, go to, when you die and go to heaven. He gave you life now. He doesn't want you to be stuck in bondage anymore. He doesn't want to see you stuck to addictions. He doesn't want to see you stuck with a miserable life. Man, I hear so many people talk about dying. Jesus didn't come so you die. He came to make dead people alive. And I want to encourage you to do that today, to, be, to become alive in Jesus Christ. Paul tells the story, the greatest story ever told. The Apostle Paul tells it like this. He's in his sermon. I believe this was his first sermon. It's over in Acts 16. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts 13, beginning in verse 26. He says this. He says, men and brothers. So he's standing up talking, addressing the crowd at large. Sons of the father of Abraham and those who among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. So these people, they didn't even understand. They were coming, they're reading the scriptures, they didn't really know God. But they fulfilled the scriptures in condemning Jesus. And they found, and though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. And here it is. Read the next verse with me. But God raised him from the dead. But God. Now, I want you to catch this, folks. We're going to be talking about this for the next six weeks. We're going to talk about but God, but God. We're going to talk about life happens, but God. Life is hopeless, but God. You know what you need this morning? You need a but God moment. We need those moments. And let me show you here. He continues on. He says, but God raised him from the dead. And to prove it, verse 31, he said he was seen for many for, uh, by many for days. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee and Jerusalem at, who are his witnesses to the people. So we have this faith that we can bank our, we can, we, you can place your life on this. Why? Because it's fact. And we have the eyewitness accounts. I want you to think about what are the two most important words in the human language? You know, think about it. Somebody once said the two most important words are more money, right? I've heard that one, right? Harvard Journal said that uh, the two most important words are recognition and praise. Everybody needs an attaboy, don't they? One, psycho one psychologist said that the two most important words are act now. Somebody else said that the two most important words are thank you. I'm going to tell you the most important words in the Bible are but God. Jesus was dead, but God. 
And you know what? We need a but God moment in our life. According to Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a great Bible commentator. He said that all of the gospel is summed up in those words, two words, but God. Why? Why? Because no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how big a mess you've made of your life, no matter how many failures you've been through, no matter your addictions, no matter where you find yourself in today, you can have a but God moment and that will radically change who you were and who you are today. My friends, Jesus Christ was dead, but God. Why do we gather up here every week? Why do we, why do we keep coming and worshiping and singing these songs? Because but God. You see, one day somebody explained to me that I needed a Savior. And that I, my sin offended this holy God. And that I needed something. And that was my but God moment. That was the moment that I said, okay, Lord, this was my way. But God, you died for me so that I could walk your way. Uh, but is the, uh, but talks us about the contrary. And it's a conjunction and it pulls two words together, two thoughts together. But when you add God to the word but, anything is possible. But God. Jesus died but God. Now, I'm going to give you four thoughts on the back of your bullet, and you can follow along with me. You can fill in the blank if you so desire. Number one is this today. I want you to think about this. On this Easter, that God has a message for you. Would you say that with me? God has a message for you. Folks, God has a message for each one of us today. He has a message for you personally. Let me explain something to you. God, in uh, Psalm 19.1, we read that God has given us creation that declares the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. Creation itself speaks to us that there is a God. That's where it starts. And you can look at it, and you can either accept it or reject it, right? There is a God. So we start there. There's a guy in our church who comes on Saturday night, and uh, I was sitting talking with him a few weeks ago, and he, he's from the city, and like I am, so we had this connection. You know, us city people have connection. Anybody that's from down Pittsburgh way, you can spot the Pittsburghese coming out of my mouth a mile away, right? It just oozes in that, right? So it just comes out, right? This guy spotted it. He goes, hey, now that you're living out here, I'm like, oh, out here, Finleyville. <laughs> oh, little town of Finleyville, right? So he says, now that you're living out here, where do you go see the stars? I was like. That's a great question. For me, I go on my back porch. He's living in the city. I said, yeah, I remember that. I used to go sit on my front porch and look at the streetlight, thought it was the moon. <laughs> you go out, go down, I told him, go down to Mingo Park. And sit out there in Mingo Park and look there at night in the skies. I said, the sign says close at dark, at dark. don't worry about it, just go ahead and. <laughs> I said, tell them Pastor Ken sent you. They know my, I have a few of you down there every week, right? I said, when you lay there and you see the stars, you see the handiwork of God. Well, God didn't stop there. He moved to the prophets. Over in Hebrews chapter 1 says this. Hebrews 1, 1 says, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And how did he do this? Well, he came down and he spoke through the burning bush to Moses. He spoke to the prophet Elijah. He spoke through lightning storms. 
he, uh, he, he spoke to the prophets and he gave them the, uh, the truth, the values, and the desires for his people through the prophets. So what did God speak? Why did God speak? Why did God even care? Because here we are. We're in this finite. We're in this time and, and space zone right here. And God is eternal. And he created us. And so what does God do? God says, I'm going to send a message to the people. And so he does. He starts his message with creation, with the stars, with the trees, with the sunshine that comes up every day. Long ago, God spoke. The next thing he started to speak was through prophets. So he would get a hold of different prophets, show up to Moses in the burning bush, tell them to let my people go, tell the people this, tell the people that. And so God begins his work. And then, let me tell you this, God was coming to draw a picture and a message for us. If you look, all the Old Testament was to show us how much we needed God and how much he loves us. I want you to catch this this morning. The message for you is this. That God loves you as if you were the only person that ever lived. Do you ever think of it like that? Augustine, this is a good quote from Augustine. He said, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us to love. Somebody one time asked a mother of three, which one of your kids do you love the most? Well, the mother was highly offended. And the mother responded back, what do you mean? I love all my kids equal. And he says, no, tell me which one of your kids are hurting the most, and I'll tell you which one you love the most. Have you ever heard it said that a mom is only as happy as her most unhappy child? He said, that's where all your love goes. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you as if you are the only child. And I grew up in a family of four. I... Listen, you, you're in a big family. The family of God is big. But you are not billion number 7.111. You are. God has your name. You're his child. He knows everything about you. He knows the hair on your head. Six for me. <laughs> he knows how many you've got, right? He's got this figured out. God understands all of this, right? And so God, listen, he loves you with an unconditional love. As a matter of fact, he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus. That's point number two in your notes. God sent his only son for you. Would you say that with me? God sent his only son for you. Folks, we have to take Easter and we have to make it personal. You can't just be sitting here knowing the facts. You've got to take it down to your heart. Paul said there, he said, for those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even their voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And I want to say this to you today. Jesus, and I said this last week, you either crown him or you crucify him. There's nothing in between. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, we have a... We have, we're, we're, we have a position now. We have to, you have to take and say either he's Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. And I tell you, there's enough proof that I have found that Jesus is Lord. And I have gone through my own personal investigation through the years. And I have found from the scriptures and from all the evidence, the evidence demands the verdict that Jesus is Lord. And so today, I want to invite you, what will you do with Jesus? Jesus is giving you a message. And not only did he give you a message, he get, God gave you his very own son. 
the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. That means God's anointed one. He was anointed by God to come and save the world from their sin. God the Father sends God the Son to the world to pay for your sin. Hebrews 1.1, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. When Jesus came, he met with Nicodemus by night and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, Jesus came himself, and he died on the cross. And the question is, what will you do with Jesus today? What will you do with him? God has a message for you. What will you do with the message of Jesus? Will you respond to that message of Jesus today? Listen, folks, God knows the mess in each one of us. God is not afraid of your mess. That's why I'm a hope dealer. Because God's not afraid of anything. You say, I've got this addiction, I've got this problem, you wouldn't like me. You know what, I've got a friend who told me, he says, you don't know who I am. I said, it doesn't matter. My God loves you, knowing everything about you. And you don't have to worry about me, because my God loves me, and I can love through his love to you. You see, God knows all about the mess in us. Verse 28, and they... And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Jesus was a sinless sacrifice, and he goes to the cross. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, so he says, listen, all those scriptures that talked about the suffering, suffering servant that would come, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When it was all fulfilled, they took him down. He died on the cross. Everything down to the statements on the cross, to the, to the things that were offered to him that was all predicted. And the Old Testament predicts that he would die on a tree. And he comes down and they laid him in a tomb. And then let's read it again, verse 30. Let's read it with passion. You ready? But God raised him from the dead. Folks, God's messenger was not just a prophet. It was the Son of God. He came and he died for your sin. And people would reject the Son of God. Many people said that, oh, he's just a good man. Others said that he's a demon. Others said that he's, uh, he's just a prophet. Who do you say that Jesus is today? If he's Lord, if he is truly the risen Lord, it demands a response. The fourth thing in your notes today is this, is that God works wonders despite us. Would you say that? God works wonders despite us. You know, in your desperation, I want you to think about this. It was dark. The disciples said, all hope is gone. We wasted three years of our life. That's exactly what they were saying as they were sitting having their sandwiches of grief. When somebody dies, what happens? People bring food to your house, don't they? That's why I told the first service. I said they were having fish sandwiches because these were a bunch of fishermen and all their neighbors were bringing them stuff. And they're sitting there grieving, but in the midst of their hope, but God, but God came down. Folks, all of us need a but God moment. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says this, but God, there it is. There are 45 statements in the Bible 
that say, but God. We're going to talk about this for the next six or more weeks. I want to encourage you, make a commitment to be here as we talk about but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Folks, I want to encourage you this today. God himself, Jesus comes to the cross and he pays for your sin. Not so you could be a good person. But so that dead people could come alive. He wants you to come alive spiritually today. And look what he says in his word. He says, but God demonstrated. Read this verse with me. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, folks, that's my invitation to you today. Will you accept it? Romans chapter 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And really believe it in your heart. That God raised Jesus from the dead. You'll be saved from desperation. From loneliness. From addiction. From emptiness. From all the power that sin is trying to grip onto your life right now. You'll be promised eternal life as well. You'll be saved right now. I want you to have a but God moment this morning. And let God make that change from desperation to hope. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. And no one looking around. This morning I'd like to give you this opportunity. If you would like to trust Jesus... He says, if you will declare that Jesus is Lord and will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me and, and have a but God moment. So just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need a but God moment this morning. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I've offended a holy God by my sin. But you, yourself, came to the cross to pay for my sin. You were buried. And you rose again the third day. And you did it for me. God, I make this personal today. I invite you into my heart and soul. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around all over this auditorium. If you just prayed this prayer, I say welcome to the family of God. If you just prayed with me this morning, I'd, just, I'd like to remember you in a closing prayer. Would you just lift your hand up in the air and put it back down, and I'll pray for you as a closing prayer. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you all over this place. God bless you. God is moving. Up in the balcony, God bless you. All over this place, God bless you. I see that hand. Are there others? God is moving and he's doing his work. Just slide it up and down. It's your outward sign. Look, God just did something in my life and I'll pray for you. 
there others today? God bless you, I see that hand. Are there others? Just put it up and down. God's done something in my life. I just met Jesus. I just had a but God moment. And for others, maybe you need a but God moment in your life. You've been following God, but you've been in, there's some desperation that you need to bring to him now. I'm going to encourage you to bring it to him because he raised Jesus from the dead. He can do anything. Father God, we thank you. We pray that you'll be honored and adored, Lord, by your people. Thank you as we've come to celebrate the risen Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, be upon us as we leave this place today, as we worship your name. Lord, I pray for each one in this building, Lord. Many all over this church opening their hearts and trusting Jesus. Lord, we rejoice with those who just come to Jesus right now, Lord. And we say thank you, Lord, and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, folks, if you prayed with me, whether you raised your hand or not, if you prayed with me, I have a book I'd like for you to take. This is the Gospel of John. What I read was in here. What you will, what you will read, the entire life of Jesus, take it. They're free. They're out there in the foyer. Please take one as you leave. Let's stand up together. First of all, let's rejoice with all those who just trusted Jesus. Amen? Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Let's stand as we sing our closing song and shout it out to the Lord. Amen? Falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, Holy, all creation cries,
Easter Crossroads Ministry. We pray that this service has been a blessing to you. Have a great and wonderful week.